understand we've all felt stuck at one point or another, even the most successful people among us, because it's a rite of passage, a trial, to see if you have what it takes to be independent. The test is to prove that you deserve your destiny. Each week our goal is to bring you an inspiring story of someone who moved beyond their stranded face and found greatness on the other side. Welcome to The Stranded Podcast, and this is your host, Jessica Hurley. What is up, guys? Welcome back to The Stranded Phase Podcast. I am your host, your girl, Jessica Hurley, and welcome back, Stranded Family. Listen, today it's just me and you, and I have to start this episode off with something that I heard recently that I feel like I've been diving deep into about unraveling, untaming our programming as women, and just the uncovering and unveiling of who we truly are and who we're meant to be. Each of us as individuals, as women, as wives, as mothers, as as ourselves, without all the titles, what do these things look like? And what do we look like stripped underneath naked and unashamed behind all of them, just ourselves before all the programming. Cause by God, are we programmed and tamed and taught and snapped into being a good girl? So I have been on this journey of deep dives and awareness. And I read, I mean, I heard a, um, Something this week that I wanted to start this episode off with. And if you've been, if you follow me on Instagram, Stranded Family, I have been ranting and raving about this episode with Alicia Keys and Brene Brown. Um, If you don't know who Brene Brown is, Google her now. She has the best two TED Talks known to man online. Some of the most incredible books, Daring to Lead, Daring Greatly. And um, one of my favorite podcasts called Unlocking Us. And so here's where I would like to be like transparent with you about Alicia Keys. I don't typically buy into celebrity books because I feel like they're one, just a memoir of something that we've already watched on television. And two, um, I feel like someone else wrote them. So I know the, I know the real energy and effort it takes to write a authentic, like life-changing, vulnerable, transparent, authentic book like how much energy that takes. And I just have always thought skeptically that for celebrities, they maybe they author a little bit of it. And for the most part, it's written by someone else. So the asshole in me has just never found it appropriate to read a book written by a celebrity. So I, one, had no idea Alicia Keys wrote a book. Two, um, if I were honest with you, if I saw on Target, I'd probably walk right past it. And so I'm so glad that I accidentally caught this interview with her and Brene Brown about her book, More Myself. So I went and bought it right off the shelves. And so I want you to know that this episode and the next episode are completely inspired by this book and this episode. So I want to start with something that her and Brene Brown talked about. It's such a simple concept, but I want to dive deep with you about how this has changed each and every one of us. And how through an evolution, we're just all truly trying to get back to where we started. Alicia talks about in the book, basically armoring up 
the process of armoring up in her teenage years before she came out with her first solo song um, that went all over, that went nuts, that made her super ridiculously famous. And armoring up through that process, wearing her armor, and then the process of uh, taking it all off to go back to becoming herself. And she talks about in the book, one day you just wake up, whether it be at 25, 34, or 42, and you realize that you have participated in these tiny, small, minute, unperceivable changes that have led you down a path. You did these things for other people to fit into boxes, to meet standards, to be the good girl. And you wake up one day and realize these tiny, small changes were just like the death of paper cuts. That any person cut thousands and thousands of times by tiny, tiny paper cuts could bleed to death. Totally possible. And how just like that, those those tiny, small, minute, unperceivable changes could lead us to waking up one day and realizing we don't know who we are. We don't know who we've become. We don't know where she went or where she really is, who she really is, and lead us to death inside, to complete death inside, like to cracking, to just breaking inside because we don't know who we've become. And I think that is really where so many of us get out of alignment. I think so many of us, I'm not a doctor, so I'll be careful with what I'm about to say, but I think so many of us feel feelings of depression and sadness and lack of clarity and uncertainty and fear and doubt because we are so out of alignment because we don't know how far off the beaten path we've gotten. Do you remember when you were young and riding your bike and you went on the same path every single day? And one time, just one time, you wanted to go the other direction a little bit. And you just rode over a little bit. And you said, okay, I'm just going to go a little bit, but I want to look back and make sure I can still see my old path so that I don't get lost. I'm only going to just check this out and explore just a little bit, but only, only far enough to where I can still see the old way. I think that same feeling is the one we have in the beginning. And then we just keep extending ourselves and extending ourselves and people pleasing and meeting new standards and setting new goals and trying to be things to other people, give people more of what they want so that they can like us more that all of a sudden we get so far down that path. We don't know how to get back. We don't even know our way back. They don't even realize that we're miles and miles and miles and miles away from what once was, who we once were. And let me be clear, I don't think the intentions are bad. The intentions, our intentions are so good. Ladies, our intentions are always so good. We try our best. We want to fulfill everything for everyone. We want to be everything for everyone. That's all we're simply trying to do. We just have no fucking clue how to do that for ourselves. From an early age, the the very first thing, few things that we learn how to do is to obey authority through teachers and daycare workers and our parents. And then we are taught to be a good girl, 
And this interview itself, which I've heard this numerous times, but this interview itself really uncovered to me the reverse effects and the cause and effect of telling your children that they are a good girl or a good boy and how we are literally rewarded like animals for being good girls and how that is literally subconsciously stuck in our head all the time in every public and private situation to be a good girl as if we're as if we're bought controlled or traded be a good girl and if that doesn't sound offensive to you i want you to think of what you say to your dog good dog good dog good dog for behaving just the thought of repeating it now i hear so much ownership in it ownership by the person saying it meaning control so it is just a mechanism of people pleasing if you hear what i'm saying like your dog wants to hear you say good boy because your dog knows that it's it's loved and then rewarded by its owner think about how we were told as children good girl by our parents or our authoritative authoritative figures like to be rewarded And then loved if and only if we were good girls. This sticks with us for a freaking lifetime. And then, you know what's introduced to us then? Fitting in. Oh, we got to fit in. There's there's crowds that we want to be a part of. There's a popularity contest. There's a competition. We want to fit in. So we catch ourselves doing things that we probably would not likely have done had we not felt this requirement and this desire to fit in, be seen and be popular, right? Because everything ultimately what we do is for an audience from early, early, early on it, it all becomes a performance. And with fitting in, you know how this goes. You know how this goes. You end up doing something that you probably would have never done in order to fit in. You end up stretching yourself or like crumbling who you really are just to fit in to prove to others that you are cool, that you deserve to be seen, that you deserve to be known, that you deserve to be part of the in crowd. I remember clear as day stealing when I was 15. I wasn't even old enough to drive yet because I was hanging out with my cousin and she was hanging out with a girl that was much more popular than us. And she said they were going to the mall. And I went to the mall and I I remember thinking that I was the coolest person on earth because we got to hang out with this girl in her nice car. And on the way up to the mall, she told us how she steals all her clothes and she's been doing it for years and she's never gotten caught. And here's how she does it. And my cousin's on board. She's like, well, if you do it all the time, let's do it. Everything in my bony body was like, don't you dare, you know better. That is something your parents have taught you from day one. You don't take anything that doesn't belong to you. You know better. You know what these consequences look like. But the willingness, the willingness I had to do risk it all, to do something stupid, to fit in, to be seen, to be considered popular, far more overweighed any moral values or anything that I had ever been taught because that was seemed at the time worth the risk willing to risk it all, to be known, to be popular, to be seen, to be heard. When your efforts go unnoticed, the 
the extent that you will go to fit into the crowd that is seen. So we start fighting to fit in. And then, then we start working to make our superiors happy, to begin people pleasing, which that goes from educators, bosses, and coaches, and bleeds into relationships. This insane amount of people pleasing. If I, if I give you more of what I, what made you like me, will you like me more? Like this depositing into someone's bank all the time and leaving ourselves dry and empty. I had a friend in college that every single time she dated someone, she would change her behavior and accent. So she loved dating culturally, like just was very intrigued by men culturally from different cultures. And literally within six months would have their accent, would have adopted their culture from you know, the food that she liked to the way that she spoke to the things that she, her rituals and routines, like her life, their life became her life. She would change and alter everything about her. And I'm just as guilty, if not worse, for the the ways in which I allowed myself to be manipulated by relationships and by men to be liked and or fake loved or lusted over, or for that matter, just to be freaking seen. And this adaptivity, this altering of ourselves, ladies, I want you to know that our freaking superpower is that we are incredibly adaptable. I think even better than men. Like I think that we just have this innate ability to adapt to any situation. We are go with the flow. We are easygoing. We can just like flow like water into morph into any situation necessary and needed of us. Our weakness though, is that almost anyone can make us use it. Anyone that we want to see us, to love us, to like us, to trust us, to know us, Anyone, almost anyone can make us use it. If you have listened to prior episodes on The Stranded, like I Am Worthy Part 1 and I Am Worthy Part 2, I go into grave detail about a relationship that I chose to be in for five plus years with a man that physically and mentally was insanely abusive, more mentally than he was physically, but mentally abusive on a level that now I look back and I'm like, whole shit and how much I altered myself to continue trying to please him to that that literally believed that I thought that if I was better behaved or more of like he led me to believe that if I was more of a good girl that he might actually stop mistreating me like I was altering who I was just to get him out of the negative and back to zero not even worth dating but just to get him out of this phase where he was mistreating me so badly and treating me so poorly just to get him back to zero, I would continue to try to behave like the insanity. And every relationship after that, I have altered and changed who I am. Yes, I've chosen to be in relationships moving on from that that have made me better. But I got to be honest with you. There ain't been a relationship that I have been in that I haven't altered or changed some part of myself, some for the better, some subconsciously, and some for the worse. 
some opportunities I took to protect myself, some opportunities I took to mold myself, some opportunities strictly came from trying to please somebody that I was with. Now, I want you to think about all the relationships that you've ever been in, all the jobs that you have ever had, all the evolving that you have had to do to prove to a man that you are worthy, to prove to an employer that you deserved your job, to prove to your friends that you were not even a good friend, but deserved to be in a clique or in this group or a part of something or be acknowledged or heard, to prove to your parents that you were smart, that you were intelligent, that you could, you had these kind of jobs, that you could make this type of money, that you were independent. All the evolving that you have had to do as a mother to prove to other moms that you're a good mother and you don't deserve to be mom guilted or mom shamed. All of the evolving you have had to do for all of these fucking titles. And then we wonder why at 30 something we wake up and we realize from the time we open our eyes to the time we shut them, we are working every single second of those days for someone or something else. All of it, everything. We think we're resting when we get our nails done, but we're doing that to look good for someone else. Now, I know some of you are going to listen to this and say, well, no, I do that to look good for me. You absolutely should. You should do things that make you feel good and make you feel like you look good so that you can feel good. Absolutely. But every waking second is spent doing something for our children, for our spouse, for our job, to look good for others, to do things for other people, to please our friends, to show up for others, to qualify ourselves for all of these positions that we were already created and qualified for. So we're born, then we grow up, we're programmed, we're tamed, we're taught, we're led, we're con trolled and I just picture like somebody mushing together this putty ball where we're like molded into exactly what we're supposed to be molded into and we spend all of these years thinking that we're trying to find ourselves but we really just spend all of these years becoming what society tells us to become and all of the people included and it doesn't make them bad people but we enroll in all of this self-suffering that leads to self-sabotage And then we wake up when we're 30 something and realize that every waking moment is spent on doing something or validating ourselves in some way, shape or form in these roles that are required of us. And we're busy beyond belief. And then we wonder why we feel so unaligned and sad and confused and unclear and like, well, I'm supposed to feel grateful. I should be grateful. I have everything I ever wanted. Did you always want this? Or is this what you were told you were supposed to want? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a family and children and a nice house and a nice job and nice things. I'm saying, is this what you want? And the part where I know we're still lost as women and we've lost ourselves. So now we've gone through this process where we thought we were finding ourselves, but we've just spent 30 years losing ourselves to please other people. The reason I know we're still stuck is because the question 
that exposes us the most. You want to see a woman squirm? It's when somebody asks us, like when we literally feel the most naked and unashamed, I mean, the most naked and ashamed is when we're asked questions like, so are you happy? How does that make you feel? What is doing that actually going to do for you? Do you know what you want? There are, I don't know a female right now, most times myself included, that can answer that question in complete sentences. Most of the time people say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, very, very happy, very happy, very happy. My children are great. My husband is great. My job um, is paying me more now and um, I'm pretty much enjoying my life, you know, rarely saying anything about themselves qualifying that everyone in their lives is taken care of. So they indeed must be happy. This episode is really just going to sound like a journal entry because I'm, I'm just voicing how many women I talk to that think that they're unqualified to be business owners and unqualified to do things on their own and incapable when I'm telling you right now that you have fixed and perfected and filled other people's cups your whole lives, added to their lives. Women are the magic seasoning. Women are the magic seasoning. They are the added piece that makes everything amazing, great, grow, like makes the seeds grow, makes the meal delicious, makes the house a home. They are always the missing missing ingredient, always. And we can do this for everyone else. But when it comes time to do this for ourselves, we are so fucking lost. Because that's why when someone says, well, what is the thing you want to do that's going to make you happy? We don't fucking know because we've spent our whole lives focusing on how to make other people happy, how to help them fulfill their dreams and their wants and their desires and how to make them smile and put them in the right positions and empower them and inspire them. But we don't know how to do it for ourselves. So now we're in our 30s and 40s. And we've made all these tiny little changes to make sure that we perfectly fit into these molds to help all of these other people. And we don't even know who we are. We don't know what makes us happy. We don't know. That is why there's this running joke that women are so indecisive that when your man asks you where you want to eat, you don't fucking know. You don't know because you don't know. You literally don't know. Because you flow like water. You adapt like it's your superpower. You are so used to going with the flow to keep other people happy that you just don't know. You don't know. And maybe you do know, but you've suppressed that so hard the fact that you do know that you don't even know where to fucking find it. And women have such a hard time realizing that if you can do all of that, if you can be the flame that can turn anybody's mess into a burning, fueling, incredible fire, you are sadly mistaken if you don't think you can't do that for yourself. You just have to be willing to put the same effort and the same energy selfishly into yourself than you do just as you do other people. But we have spent 30 plus years 
making tiny, small, minute, unperceivable changes to ourselves to fit an ex-boyfriend, to fit a corporate job, to fit a spouse, to make a partner happy, to make our boss feel like they made the right hire, to make our relationship on the outside look magical to other people that could never be in it if they tried to fulfill our parents void in in the things that they wanted as children but couldn't have so they're calling on you to do that work and you're just trying to fulfill that void that they wanted for themselves by taking a job or a career or an opportunity that you never wanted you're dimming your light because you don't want to hurt or piss off your siblings or your parents for that matter. You don't want to make too much money because you don't want to hurt your friends' feelings. You don't want to start the business because you're too afraid to hurt your friends' feelings. You don't, you're scared of success because someone in your life made you feel like you thought you were too much. The list goes the fuck on. Where are we in this? Where is our masculine energy? And now I'm no expert in feminine and masculine energy. But when I say that, what I mean by that is, you know, for damn certain, when you are talking to a man, that they always know what they want. They know what they want to eat. They know where they want to go. They know what they want you to do. They know how they want you to dress. They know how, like, what time they want you to, they know, they know because they've never questioned what they know based on what someone else needs, wants, or cares about. That's just us. That's just us. <sighs> Thank you for coming to my journal entry. Now, this episode is literally us owning that sometimes these stuck feelings can be because we have just become so unaligned with our divine purpose, our divine assignment, the reason why we were put on this earth. And the next part of your journey has to be finding yourself, finding more of yourself. How do I get back to more of myself? And what does this selfish journey look like? Because you got to own it right now. It is going to be one hell of a selfish journey. It's not a work of art. It's painful. It's ugly. It's uncovering deep shit, trauma, Owning what you like, owning what you once cared about, owning who you were before all of the training, the programming, the taming. Who were you? Why were you put on this earth? What makes you smile from ear to ear when you're alone, when you're jamming to music, when you're meditating? What do you think about? What do you think about? Do you know why I love car rides so much? If you follow me on Instagram, I always talk about how much I love like hour dry, like hour long, multi hour long car rides to places alone. No offense, but no kid, no man, just me, music and podcasts. One, because it's for an, it's an opportunity for me to learn the way that I learn, which is like through podcasts and audible content. But two, it's such a time for me to have clear thoughts. And I, every time I go on a car ride, I think I sound like a dog on a road trip. Um, I just see things with my own two eyes. And you know what I mean when I say this, I see things that because when we're alone, even when we think we're going to be alone, what do we do? What could I do more of to make my husband happy? 
What could I do more of in my business to make my clients happy? What could I do more of to show up more for my child, to make them be more mature and raise them better and to be a better son and to be a better daughter? You know, where, where could I get better clothes for my kids? What can I, what I should be cooking better. I need to look up recipes so that my kids are fed better food. There's something about when I'm in the car alone that my thoughts are just mine. I just focus on me. And I took a road trip to Atlanta last weekend and I listened to all my favorite songs on the way there. I danced, I danced, I danced, y'all. I danced my ass off. I had a whole jam party in the car. And it just hit me out of nowhere that like, I have always wanted to dance. Like I've always wanted to take dance classes. I've always wanted to take dance lessons, like not some ballet type shit, but like fun, twerk, hip hop, like top 40, like dance. Like I want to dance y'all. And I've never known how, not known how, but I've never done like choreographed dancing. And I was like, damn, I am not too old for that shit. Like what's wrong with me? I should get some girls together. We should dance. Like we should take a dance class. Yeah. Hell yeah. I would love to do that. Like would love to do that. I can guarantee you that I can 1000% promise you that if I had never taken that road trip, I would not have been able to conceptualize that desire because it was somewhere so deeply hidden under all the other requirements and titles that I have that I'm constantly thinking about all day that I would have never been able to hear or see it. Now, I'm not asking you to throw yourself a pity party or to not own the fact that these are all things that we chose. We chose. I chose my man. I chose to have a baby. I chose, I choose every day to love my family. I love my life. But you have to ask yourself if these feelings of unalignment and and sadness and days that feel like depression and not knowing how to show up and where to show up and how to show up online or start a business and be the best version of myself, this stuff that people talk about, it feels so far-fetched. It feels so far-fetched because we don't know who we are. We don't know. We've spent 30 years losing ourselves and everyone else. So cheers to the next chapter of unveiling and uncovering, unraveling 30 years of taming and programming and training to the next 20, 30 years being about finding out more selfishly, more of who we are, becoming more of ourselves, inviting ourselves into those deep conversations, deep, deep exploration into every bit of who we are. Stay tuned next week for the rest of this. We're going to deep dive into some tangible things you can do to in, not only invite this in and acknowledge where, how we may have lost ourselves, but what it looks like to begin this journey of becoming more of yourself. I hope you guys have a great week. I'm sending you so much love. Love you, Stranded Family. Thanks again for joining us on another episode of The Stranded Podcast. If you felt inspired or moved today, make sure to leave a review on iTunes. 
You can learn more about us and our guests at thestrandedphase.com. And don't forget that your stranded phase is a rite of passage on your journey to greatness.